Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Week one is in the books. Um, it was up and down for me. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like a loser uh, because my most confident play was the Seahawks, who were very much the wrong side. Um, and uh, I also feel like uh, I'd like some takey backsies on a couple of preseason opinions on some teams and some coaches uh, who have proven to be uh, much the same as opposed to showing any sort of growth. Um, looking squarely in the Mad Canada direction here, um, but uh, overall, I thought it was a, uh, a you know it was a good betting week one. It was a miserable football product week one, though. Am I crazy? It wasn't some of the best football. That said, I mostly watched. Um, so big TV was on Vikings early, Packers late. I won both of those bets. Both of my teams looked good in the second half. So maybe I'm. Maybe I'm shaded by the fact that I watched games that went, you know, exceedingly right in the second half for my money. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is good football. Baker Mayfield running for six, <laughs> running for six yards along the sideline. Like, this is good. Yeah, there, there were some, like, I did not watch a second of the Titans game, and I'm probably better for it. I will take in a lot of those. I've, I've been trying to catch up on some of the games I didn't get enough time with. Then Patrick just brings up Saints Titans. There were some bad games. Obviously, Pitts, Pittsburgh as well. That was one of my my favorite teaser legs. Never had a shot in hell. Every other Wong teaser, and then not really Wong, but a lot of people did use Washington. I got dicey, but most of the teaser legs did get home, which was nice for you teaser betters. Obviously, the Jets fall into that category as well. Tonight, that one's not there. My most... It's funny too. My my most confident side, I'd say price wise and numbers wise, it was almost a tie for Packers and um, Tampa. Yeah. So I didn't have like a one of those. It's hard to differentiate what my strongest one was, but I'm yeah. going to say Green Bay because that was a clear win. Whereas Tampa, if you go back and look at that, they needed some they needed some things to go right. I don't. I'm not saying. They, there was no shot in hell. They should have stayed inside the six, but winning that game was a little lucky. Uh, <laughs> I said this to Dan before you hopped in. I said, if time time traveler comes back and, and it's the guy with the beard, not the two mm-hmm. ladies above in the meme, hey, I'm your granddaughter. And then the other guy says, hey, in the Vikings Tampa game, one team has a three nothing turnover win, margin win. And I would assume. At that point, but, that I'm probably just buying out of my bets. I had a little CLV. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Baker Baker does what Baker does. Maybe I don't want this bet. So the the injury to the center was massive. We had the, the fumble right away. And then uh, a huge high leverage interception by Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. in, the, in the red zone, which I have no idea what he was doing. Yep. Augustine says he was at the Giants game. Yeah, that was, man. Not to rub salt in your wound, because we actually have someone here, who, like I just said, who went to that game. But when you have tickets to the opener, I feel like a lot of people have, have had those tickets for a long time. And they've been talking about it all summer. They've been excited. They go to yep. these cookouts, and they're like, oh, man, so pumped going to the Cowboys-Giants game. Week one, got good tickets. We dropped a little more than we should have. It, even if it was just a rainy game, 
and you got rained on, I'd be kind of pissed. Like I sat in the rain for three and a half hours, but man, <laughs> to, to take the ass kicking they did. And maybe we should go in order and we'll get to that one later yeah. because I have uh, some takes. So let's, yeah, uh, let's, let's start recapping. Let's go right off the bat. Thursday. Uh, that game told me nothing about the chiefs, except they needed a healthy Travis Kelsey ASAP. Um, and they need a healthy Chris Jones or they need a, a resolution on the Chris Jones ASAP. Um, that Chiefs team can be come back on. You know they're not going to be able to to put away leads as easily as they have in years past without those two healthy bodies, um, second and third best players, pretty pretty obviously. Um, there's a f- brewing take I have about Dan Campbell. His coach of the year status obviously goes up with the win, big upset. But mm-hmm. uh, some of his decision making in that game was truly perplexing. And you called you specifically characterized it as like it's like he's rolling a 20-sided die and just doing whatever you know the dungeon master says in terms of going forward or kicking or whatever. Yeah. And he's got like an inherent aggressiveness, which puts him in the right direction on a lot of decisions. But then the fact that he's so unpredictable might actually ultimately be an advantage. Right, as opposed to the likes of the Shane Steikens of the world, where you kind of know what he's going to do. I think we landed in the same spot on this because eventually I got to the same conclusion. I'm like this guy is just winging it on these fourth down decisions, but when you add that second part where he's inherently aggressive, just like you said, like where do where do coaches usually fail on fourth down decisions? Yeah, they're they're usually yeah. they're usually too conservative. So if you're by nature aggressive. Um, and you're basically flipping a coin inside your brain every time. But it's loaded to the aggressive. But, but it's loaded to the aggressive <laughs> side. Like, you know, even yeah, if that's you're, not, you're not making – it's, it's it's again, it's the uh, – and I won't call out who we were making fun of for this, this argument, but it's essentially like using astrology to figure out calculus. But you're, yeah. but you're right. Sometimes you're right 80% of the time. Yeah, yeah, you get There's it. somebody yeah. that's, that's right that often. And, yeah, his aggressive nature is going to make him right more often than not on fourth down. Huge win. Obviously, he's a massive favorite now in the coach of the year. He was already the favorite preseason. But that's a long way to go on that one because there's a bunch of coaches that made good cases that had good cases to start with. Like you said, it, it took a pick six. It took essentially missing your second and third best player to get them a win. A win is a win. They're a team that's going to stay in games. ASRB is very, very good. We haven't even seen what they're going to do with Jameer Gibbs quite yet. They have some pieces. That defense, yeah. that defense might stink, though. They might stink, yeah. Because can you imagine if they'd have caught – I mean, basically, the one ball. Kadarius Tony catches that last ball. They're yeah. in field goal range. The game yeah. is over. Like there was six or seven catchable balls where it's like, oh man, this game could have gone either way. That's how it goes, though. And I do think uh, I'm I'm not upgrading Detroit much, if at all, yeah. because I, I think that defense might be worse than I expected. Yeah. Kansas City, I'm leaving alone too because you know we're gonna get those good players back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what we do. More Rasheed Rice, more Justice. Oh, I can't think of the the fifth receiver. Watson. Justin Watson. Justin more of those, Watson. maybe more of those than Tony and and Sky Moore at this point. See if you get something out of them because I think we know what we have in Sky Moore. Yeah. And Tony is Chuck Knobloch at this point. So. <laughs> uh, Sunday's first rotation game was Carolina Atlanta. Uh, this is the only one that I like got really right, I guess, of the later in the week bets I made. 
Um, Atlanta came through on the basis of their defense being pretty good against Carolina, but boy, oh boy, does Carolina lack any kind of weapons, weaponry at any way, shape, or form. The interesting thing I wanted to bring up about this game, this was this was an, an aggressive bet down uh, all in the week and a half leading up to uh, week one open, you know, week one uh, kickoff. But then there was late buyback on the Carolina Atlanta over. I kind of saw it and was like, oh, I got, you know, you get that pit in your stomach, like, ugh. Like I hate when that happens and there's like a real sharp late buyback on that steamy of a total. Usually that's a bad sign, but um, realistically never felt like that was that total was going to be threatened. I think the major kind of takeaways here where Carolina's defense, I thought was very good through a lot of that game. But Atlanta, when they play that way, it's kind of only a matter of time until your guys run out of gas, until your big bodies are just a little fatigued, particularly early in the season, particularly um, you know, when you're, if, if, you know, for instance, they go on the road and they're playing outdoors in a hot type of weather game, maybe at the end of the season too, when we're in cold weather and, uh, you know, people's bodies are broken down, but it felt like they're just like, we're going to keep doing this until it fucking works because Desmond Ritter does not have a live arm. He made one very impressive pass, but that was more of like Kyle Pitts making, I thought of really amazingly uh, uh, athletic move on the corner who was covering him perfectly, uh, to haul that one in. Um, no real sign or, or threat, I think, of Atlanta threat, you know, getting it going in the passing game anytime soon. Um, but their bet on the rushing attack and being physical seems to be working. And I think uh, that makes them an interesting case against your Packers this week. We'll get to that, though. Yeah. Um, the recipient of getting to play a rookie in the first game, missing his top target, that helps. Yeah. You know, that's a, it's, a, it's a very much a work in progress down in Carolina. Uh, we get to see more Mingo, which was fun, but it's still, it's still a, a rough uh, cast of characters around Bryce Young at this point, and he's still very early in the learning curve. Neither team got to 300 yards total offense. The the total staying under 40 is the correct like that was the correct move. That was the correct bet, but at the same time, it was dicey at times. Caroline had the ball on the opposite side of the 50 uh, with two minutes yeah. to go, and at that point, knowing that it's you know it's fourteen point lead, I, you had to be feeling bad because that's one of those where it's like ah they let them have this garbage touchdown because it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of winning and losing the game. But depending because that total closed right around forty, correct? Forty and a half, yeah. Yeah, you know that that could have got awful. You know what? There might have been a two point conversion that got kind of because it landed on third, yeah, twenty four ten. Falcons were effectively the beneficiaries of five turnovers. They got three. Yeah, the, the four, and then the fourth down. And then the two well, fourth downs. Yeah, yeah. The two fourth downs. So effectively, five five uh, drives for the Panthers ended in a, a turnover, either active or on downs. And uh, Jesse Bates, um, the payday, finally, you know, talk, talk about uh, uh, immediate, getting immediate equity for going out yeah. and giving a free agent some dollars. Uh, Onyemata, too. He was very, very alive on that often, on that D-line. Um, yeah, the, so, it, yeah, we weren't supposed to be talking about the defense taking this step forward. I mean, we did a little in the offseason for sure, but it was exciting because it was like this the offense, positionless football. But it's it's gonna be funny when this turns out to be Desmond Ritter throwing the ball 12 times and the defense keeping them in games. Yeah, it's not what we pictured back in March. What's up next? Houston, Baltimore, uh, under with a bullet under alt under was good here. This one was a really big result for me in the morning. Um, and I still don't exactly understand why the market thought that the Texans were going to get to 17 points. Um, 
I don't think I'm being results based here in my, uh, you know, kind of patting my back on that being the right side. Um, this is one where there was resistance during the week, but then ultimately like it gave up and then it went to 43. Um, so that, that was directionally correct. There were some people that were betting on the Texans with the big points, I think expecting Lamar Jackson to be a little rusty potentially. And maybe that was true in the first half, but uh, you know, he settled down a bit in the second half. I didn't think he looked amazing. He got sacked four times. He wasn't all that dynamic on the ground, but um, you know, the Texans just aren't a very talented team. And you know, CJ Stroud looks like the game's moving a little fast for him, which is not crazy. And he doesn't have a ton to go with uh, 10 targets to Robert Woods, 11 to Nico Collins, that's the formula every week. I don't know how long it's going to take for the Texans to score 20 points, but it's going to be a while. Yeah. Uh, as Johan points out in the chat, 268 to 265 total yardage. That comes out to what, like 530? That's going to be like 35 points if you divide yeah. it by 15. Pretty, pretty on brand for how many yards they scored. Like that total was, you know, correct to the under. That's one too. I said last week, I made it more than 10. In my numbers, I just didn't have the balls to pull it off. Obviously, I left a winner on the table, but I'd rather do that than uh, put an extra loser on the card. And Baltimore didn't look that great at times. They did struggle at times, and as somebody already pointed out, and we've talked about in the Discord this morning, a plethora of injuries. Already had Humphrey out, already had Andrews missing time. Now you have uh, a knee injury, an ankle injury on the offensive line. Dobbins obviously out for the season. Nobody's excited about bringing Melvin Gordon up. I wish they would go find a way to sign Kareem Hunt. I would prefer that over Melvin Gordon. Um, but they're bringing him up from the practice squad. And then uh, what was the other one? Safety? They had a safety. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, defensive back. Sh- shoulder shoulder injury. I think he missed the rest of the game. So, um, yeah, and they go up against a Bengals yeah. offense that was thoroughly embarrassed last week. So that'll be fun. Yeah, not uh, not – not ready to write the bank the, the Ravens in as winners of the uh of the AFC North just yet. Speaking of not ready ready to write in as winners of the AFC North just yet, the Cleveland Browns took care of business against Cincinnati. Um I can't comment a ton on this game because even though this was the main game on at the Bellagio where we were watching games with the sound on, I barely watched any of it because it was pretty unwatchable football. Um the standout unit is the Browns defensive line. Um, that is a recurring theme in matchups against Joe Burrow for whatever reason. They seem to have his number. They seem to have the offensive line for the Bengals number. I guess my major takeaway looking at the stat sheet here is that the um, the lack of a preseason seems to have impacted Joe Burrow to the bad. Uh, and uh, the offensive line grade that I have for the Bengals, which was very bullish, I think was potentially uh, too high. Um, because pass pro, particularly, you know, the way those guys are gelling just didn't really feel like they had a ton of chances to give Burrow time in the pocket. But even with Burrow having time in pocket, there were a bunch of throws. He just did not have a chance in that one. Like T Higgins absolutely blew away his, uh, his man coverage, uh, to open up a touchdown Burrow threw it out of bounds. Um, like it, it's going to take, you know, it's going to take reps between him and his guys to be a little bit more effective, but, uh, this is a good week to do that. Um, it is worth noting though, Mike McDonald has had sort of the recipe for doing similar, uh, terrible things to Joe Burrow. So keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah. Burrow looked rough. Um, Higgins somehow shut out 30, 82 yards passing 
that front seven from Cleveland was good. We knew that was going to be good. Uh, Garrett quickly interjecting himself right into the top of the defensive player of the year award market. He looked otherworldly at times. He, uh, he always does that. Um, I guess Chubb, Chubb was good. Probably the highlight of the Browns offense was probably Nick Chubb. He ran for a hundred yards. Watson didn't look good at time. One of the most egregiously poor interception throws you'll see maybe all year where you just right at a guy in the wrong Jersey. I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe he needs the LASIK like Jameis. That was, that was super rough. Like the, the Browns were not impressive in this win that looked pretty impressive from a scoreboard standpoint. And now they lost it. You know, they, they lost an offensive lineman in Jack Conklin for the years. He yeah. tore everything. Give me a sense. Do you have a, a, a take yet on Watson or do you want to save it for Wednesday? I'll we'll save it for Wednesday. I want to dig in a little more. I didn't I watch a lot of this game, but I, basically what I did, he looked rough. Every and time. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. He held the ball forever. forever. Yeah. Forever. And now we're going to, now we're going to yeah. lose a, you're going to lose another offensive lineman. You're going to hold it. Like he is yeah. going to be the quarterback or sacks or a quarterback stat guy for yeah. the year, I guess. Yeah. And like the other thing is like, I don't think I'm reacting, overreacting here, but this is now a carryover from last year. His arm doesn't have any, any, anything. His arm looks dead. It looks noodly. It's not good. Yeah. Don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know what it was about getting massages that gives you a more powerful arm, but apparently there's a correlation there. I'm not saying it's causation, but it's certainly a correlation. Um, all right. The, uh, let's let's revisit that because I'm I'm like ready ready to red alert the Cleveland offense with the as long as Watson's the guy. Yeah, I, w- um, I was gonna say it, it might be exactly what I said about Atlanta, but better. Where it's hey, the defense keeps you in games, and you really need Nick Chubb to show up that day. You really need it. Yep. Okay. Uh, Jacksonville, Indianapolis. This is the most difficult result to parse. Okay. This is a really yeah. tough one to parse. Um, the Colts in the end of game should have covered they were they were they should have covered if anthony richardson doesn't get hurt on first and goal he's getting that ball into the end zone anthony richardson had pop he had he had moments where you're like this guy's going to be a a guy uh this guy might be the best of the three guys who started uh as rookies um he might be the best right now which is saying a lot in terms of what ultimately his ceiling and his arc is. Um, he's a ta- he's a problem uh, in short yardage. Absolutely a problem in goal line settings. Um, and realistically, they should have scored a touchdown at the end and covered the spread. Interesting that Shane Steichen was willing to go for it there instead of just taking the three points and trying to onside kick. I'm not sure that was a game theory made a ton of sense, but he was certainly playing for the cover. Um, but whatever the case is, they don't get the points, and so they don't cover. And so, guy. yeah. <laughs> so um, here's, yeah, here's, and, the, here's the problem. Report, report Were they the right came side? Out. Oh, okay, good. Report just came out about his leg and ankle soreness, and they said if if the game was like winnable, he would have played. Okay. Like basically, he he came out because they were down by ten with no time left. Like he would have played those final two plays had it been you know an important okay. game to win. So like he looks like he's going to be fine this week. Okay. Um, <sighs> So here's here's the other part, though. Were the Colts the right side, even though they, you know, you know, even though they didn't get there, that touchdown that put them up, boy, was that a fluke. That was one of the flukier, most bizarre plays of Week One. Yeah, here here's the thing. I don't I don't think this is always a black and white. Hey, there's an answer on who is the right side. 
and I th- I think in a game like this, where you had a team end the game in the red zone, you had five total turnovers, you had six red zone possessions, you had eight fourth down attempts. I don't think there's actually an answer. Is like, hey, who was the right side here? I'm, I'm not. A, I I I think it was probably just a good number, and this goes this goes just as many ways to the Colts as it does to the Jags at okay. the number it closed okay. at. So that that said, it had to hurt, and there was some very good late late game spread drama between that the the uh, the, the Eagles Titans game one the was Titans weird. Game. We'll get to the Titans um, one. Obvi- obviously, the Miami <laughs> game. There was some good spread drama right away. There in was week some good. One. Yeah, if you if you were watching just from a gambling perspective, you enjoyed Week One. I think if you were watching it as a football purist, you're probably like, "What happened to my game?" Um, yeah. The uh, the Richardson I, Richardson was as advertised. He as found Pittman, and, he found Pittman enough where I'm comfortable upgrading this offense a is, little bit. Okay, from where that I was added. exactly where I was going to ask you. So is it's it getting do, a bump? Okay, I bet them this week. Is it is it clear to you that the Jags are the number one team in the AFC South and that they're probably going to win all six head heads? It's hard to it's hard to take the Tennessee results and make a serious not mess out of that as well. But it, yeah, I have them. I have okay. them clearly ahead of the other two. And teams. then the clear tier two now is Indy. I think Indy's ahead of Tennessee as far <laughs> as then, I'm going to look yeah. at it. But I I, I did bump yeah. their offense up a little. Okay. And I did end up betting their money line against Houston okay. already this year. So basically, well, let's just qualify that any that uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars just got a hard fought win with their most difficult divisional opponent on the road. Yeah, I was going to say that this might be the toughest of the six if yeah. it's the best of the other three, and it was a road game, and they've struggled early on in the season at certain points. So, yeah. Or it's, so yeah, good win. Also, one other thing I want to put on qualifier: there will be people. As we get later into the, or the middle part of the season, that will doubt Trevor Lawrence win loss record because his EPA per play is not going to be great. Remember this game because I thought Lawrence was excellent in this game, and he was the he was the uh, he was at the negative variance for two pretty fluky turnovers that had big negative EPA per play. Okay, so if we we're like halfway through the season and we're like, man, the Jags are six and one, six and two, seven and one. But Trevor Lawrence's EPA per play is kind of middle of the pack among quarterbacks. I don't think that's – you're going to need to think a little bit harder about the context about why he's not you know, closer to the top of the, the pile. The running, g- yeah. the running game and the short passing game was nice, especially late. The throw to Zay, Zay Jones was very nice. ETN's very good, and this yeah. defense might actually be as bad as expected. There's going to be some Could be. some other high-scoring games once they go uh, – Michael makes a great point. Jags did lose Scherf in that one. Is that a long term? I don't have long-term. a super good update on that. I don't either. But they're thin on the offensive line, so that could matter. All right. Now I mean, he went off on a cart. Yeah. So it was it was an ankle. We'll find out. Okay. And yes, I'm, I'm sorry we didn't mention Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is very good. He's awesome. He's he yeah. is a top ten receiver in the league right now. Yeah. Dude, Zay Jones made the catch of the day. He's your wide receiver three. Yeah, maybe your target five after Etienne and Ingram, like yeah. that. Like if that's your fifth hey, you skill target, this, yeah, fun, yeah, yeah, very exciting. Um, all right, Tampa, you kind of covered this, I think, in good enough detail off the top. I don't disagree yeah. with any of your con, con- commentary. T- Tampa Bay plus six, right side, hottest side on the board all week. This got bet down to four. There were sharp people we know who laid four with Minnesota trying to be the buyback. It went to three and a half. 
Like this was like pretty clearly uh, one of the more professional and comp, you know, kind of one-sided sharp uh, plays of the week in the sides. And um, the, I would say that the three turnovers obscure what the true result should be. My takeaway from this game was Minnesota's offense is still very, very freaking good. Yeah. There may be better than last year in a lot of ways, if they have a healthy center, I guess. But and, uh, yeah, and Tampa's defense is good, but you simply cannot play zone like that against Justin Jefferson. No. Like, they, they looked very good for long chunks of time. And then Justin Jefferson is suddenly in between his, you know, two guys in a in a silly zone that they're trying against him, and he's forty yards up the field. It's like he, I guess it's one of those where you, hey, we can't stop him. Maybe let's try yeah. to stop everything else and limit I, him. So I think they're potentially they're good. yeah they're potentially uh, a red alert against a, a decent wide receiver one, which I think comes into play this week as now we have flipped from Tampa as a plus six dog <laughs> when we bet against Vikings to now minus three favorites at home against the Bears. Uh, might be a little bit of an overreaction. If that goes yeah, to three and a half, I think I have to play Bears. Ugh. I know. Ugh. I <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Let's uh, move on. I don't have any other thoughts other than Minnesota's going to score points, and I like that over against Philly. But we'll get there. I think that's been bet a little bit already, but I think there's. I think that should be 51. Um, Tennessee, New Orleans was one of the games I would most like to have erased from my memory. <laughs> yeah. um, Eternal spot sh- sunshine of the spot. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to be as negative as I actually feel about this game, but I'm just going to tell you that the New Orleans coaching mind hive overall is an abomination. Um, the fact that they came in with that game plan with the weapons that they had against that defense was it was egregious. It was um, a clear sign that they are not a professional staff. And that the Saints, I think, are fine to write off as being in the playoff picture, even though they have a very easy schedule. Like the fact that the staff was that that the plan was that bad for that team, I kind of hold that against them with uh, uh, with extreme prejudice. Um, the turnovers made it super fluky. Tennessee's red zone offense was as bad as any professional offense I can remember seeing. Um, I don't really understand what's going on with Derrick Henry. He looks like he's lost weight, maybe. I don't know if he's as they, powerful. They are, I think we're finally at the point where he's going to split more. And they yeah. drafted Sharp, and he looked good enough to take some of those third-down yeah. carries. And I think that's fine. But, yeah, the, this is one of those wild swing games where if the play calling in the red zone is just 20% yeah. better on both sides, yeah. this game yeah. flies over. There the, was, what, seven red zone possessions? The Yes, yeah, so many. So the fact that this didn't go over is absolutely absurd. Uh, but but even more than that, the major, major, major takeaway here was Tannehill is past the point on the quarterback arc where you can expect him to perform well, I believe. Some of that is what he's working with. The offensive line in, t- in Tennessee is, is, is bad. We knew that. Uh, the skill position group was was not good. We knew that. The most electric player on offense for Tennessee in this game was Nick Westbrook-Akinney. Like, he was the only guy that had any juice that was wearing a Titans jersey. Um, And I think this was as soft a test as that offense had, and they scored 15 points. This is the real weird one, Andy. Mike Vrabel making a one-score game a one-score game when there was two minutes left defied logic to me. You need to score a touchdown. You need to score a touchdown there. What does making it a one-point game do you? 
just kick another field goal. But man, the, the time didn't. Yeah, the time didn't justify that. Looking back at like the the drive charts, we we like him as a coach too. He's generally you know respected, but not a good call. Um, and yeah, other than shout out to the kickers for being eight for eight. I'm not I'm not super sure exactly what to say about this game. That you did the right thing, like getting Alave ten targets. That's correct. Using Hopkins as much as they did was correct. It just once once they got past the twenties, he's uh the play calling just turned to absolute shit. Shit yeah. pumpkins at that point. And yeah, we'll see if there's a you had you had so yeah, like you said, I don't believe in Tannehill. Vrabel made a bad call. I still bet the over in the Tennessee game week two. Okay. Okay, well, I'll, I'll have to ask you about this. But uh, so the things that I didn't understand about that call particularly, you have three timeouts in the two-minute warning. I get it. The game's far from end of stages, right? You got a lot. There's a lot of that you presumably you will get another drive. If that drive is deep in your own territory, you're telling me what you saw from your offense today was going to, you know, be able to do uh, two-minute offense with no timeouts and get you back into field goal range for another attempt. Like that, that, that it didn't compute. You were pretty damn in the mix there for uh, for a, a touchdown, I thought. Um, and I didn't get why uh, he elected to uh, completely pull the rug, especially because on third and 12, they did uh, an intermediate pass, which looked like it was going to set them up for uh, a go for it, not a kick a field goal. So uh, very, very weird decision-making by Brable. Um, getting it down to the first and 10 at the New Orleans 15 with uh, – Four minutes to play. I had. I was like, "Oh man, Tennessee might win this one." Tennessee, by the way, was a hot side. Um, I'm very intrigued to see if the people who were betting Tennessee go back to the well with this week against the Chargers because they're going to get many more points and they're at home now. Um, so fascinating to see how that plays out. There's one other thing I Cover wanted to bring up about like... Tennessee. You ready? <laughs> Ron Ron Torbert, the official, the head referee, that crew. They were an abomination. They were unbelievably poor and there was a play where Derek Carr very clearly fumbled in the act of passing they blew it dead Tennessee had a clear recovery and ran back for a touchdown yeah I didn't and watch that game but people were mad about that in the moment oh my god it was it was like literally like it, you they watch the replay you see when the ball starts to move in his hand as he's still going backwards and you're like oh okay this is clearly going to be reverse they're going to reverse this call, but they're but because they blew it dead, they're going to give Tennessee the ball at like the ten yard line. Like, great job, crew. You're supposed to let it play if you think it's if it's fifty fifty. Um, but it was almost like because they blew it dead, they decided to then also make a bad decision on the re, on the replay, like covering up a bad with another yeah, bad. We, we fucked up. We gotta go. Yeah, it, that was like what it. That was literally what it felt like. I I, I am still looking for any kind of explanation as to how that was within the rules of football, at least the way that they've written them. Um, so Torbert's crew is on watch, man. <laughs> Those guys. They And also Torbert's crew, the number one most painfully annoying um, holding offensive holding call crew that I can remember. Like, you know, when, you know, when a running play is predictable, the defense has a stacked box. It's clearly going for no gain. And you're like, oh, great, wasted down, you dipshits. Well, this crew loves calling holding on those plays. Where it's literally like they gain no advantage. A lot of times you do see them just let that go. Yeah, like they it, gain it no it advantage. didn't open up some big hole. I mean, it no, feels like, like yes. there is there is some subjectivity to holding. I yeah. think most refs are like that. Like, eh. 
yeah. it was just a big like, scrum. Nobody this was a anything. clear offense shoot themselves in the foot minus play. Don't tack 10 yards onto it. Like no. it, it just felt completely unnecessary and beyond uh yeah, beyond my favorite beyond. holding call is Jerome Boger. Oh yeah, why? Holding. He doesn't say the L. He just and it's holding, the same yeah. every day. Holding. Yeah. I, I've got to see him in person. He's oh, yeah. Tor- but Torbert's Torbert's crew, I thought. On it, on it, watch. It's a D. It's right. a D we we just me. spent so much time in the Tennessee right. game. I feel bad now. Let's move on. I that was the one I watched the most in the morning. I had a lot of thoughts. I don't have a lot of thoughts about Pittsburgh, San Francisco. Then Pittsburgh was clearly the wrong side. San Francisco's they closed minus one, dude. Um, this was there was late money at the window for Pittsburgh. I was I had I had like San Francisco as hell up in my ratings, but like I left some room because it's like, well, I'm gonna kind of find a middle middle ground for Purdy. He's not as good as last year, but he's not a mess. And that's where and he's it's such an important position that I probably had the Niners a little lower than they deserved. And I based on what we saw, it wasn't like they went and played, you know, the fucking Bears. And oh, we beat up on a bad defense and look good. Like that was a good defense at home, a good coach, a good squad. Like that's a good team. I, you know, like <clears throat> their defense showing up and stopping picket is one thing. Yeah. But to to look that good on offense against what is widely regarded as a good defense, a well coordinated defense, a good coach. Like I had to give their offense a bump uh, in the Purdy spot. Essentially, he looked good enough, and it's like shit. This is. This is the best team in the league right now. You know, if, yeah. if, if Kelsey's got nagging injuries and, you know, let's say the Eagles offense is struggling a little like we saw, it's like, shit, is this, is this it? Is this the best team? Is this finally Shani's thing? So, yeah. Yeah. Not, TJ, not a lot to yeah. say. TJ Watt with an extremely quiet three sacks. Um, yeah. There was a lot of no-showing, particularly in the secondary for the Steelers. There was some really bad tackling for the Steelers. The Steelers overall had a whiff of a team that was reading their own kind of people are buzzing about them. Um, you know, and and I will say that I thought Kenny Pickett in particular looked like he was playing nervous. Looked like he was like like it didn't he didn't look like he was feeling good out there. Very inaccurate at times. Yes. Even without, you know, heavy pressure. And there was some pressure. Yes. So not a good sign for him to now go and yeah. play two games in a row in prime time. One of those against an elite defense. Um, so I think uh, I am very, very much on a, uh, a uh, not a sell my Pittsburgh stock necessarily yet. Uh, but uh, like we are, uh, we're nervous <laughs> heading yeah, into the, Monday night. <laughs> the Cam, yeah, the Cam Hayward injury. Yeah, that hurt. hurt. Yeah, that hurt. Um, Deontay Johnson as well. Like yeah, the, and Matt and Matt Canada. Matt Canada needs to get a goddamn clue. What are we doing? Um, the predictable nature of his offense against a smart defense should have been a sign. I wish I had uh, thought about <laughs> True, that. True, Caleb. His yeah, helmet is very big. It's very, very big helmet. Um, all right, so. Bigger takeaways on San Francisco there that they are the best team in football potentially, or at least co-best team with the Cowboys. We haven't, My yeah, we God. haven't seen the Bills play, but yeah, the, Bills the, Cow- the Cowboys look—they have it together right now. <laughs> All right, uh, last of the morning games was Arizona Washington. Weird one. Uh, Arizona, I thought, played like a team that had very, very, uh, you know, a lot of bullet board, bulletin board material about people telling them how bad they were going to be and that they were tanking and that they were going to lose by a million points um, because they played very hard. But uh, they're still not very good. 
Um, they scored a touchdown in this game, but it was a kind of a fluky defensive touchdown. My most of my takeaways in this game were um, the game is moving way, way fast for San Howell still. Uh, if you if you look like that against that defense, then um, you are in for an interesting trip to Denver this week. Uh, any takeaways for you? Yeah, they uh, they did not score an offensive touchdown. Still got to 16 points with the, the fumble recovery and uh, Matt Prater. Very good kicking, I guess, including a long one. Yeah, this is more of a – and this has been mentioned ad nauseum uh, throughout the years even by us. Teams don't – players don't tank. Teams do. And, you know, these guys are still playing for contracts. They're still playing for, you know, this is their job. Players definitely do not tank. They played very hard, especially on the defensive side at times. And Howell, Howell didn't look all that good for big chunks of the game. Uh, I wasn't super keen on the offensive game plan. I wasn't keen on a lot of things from Washington. They're probably lucky to get a home win. They were here, and like there was chunks of that late in the game where, you know, I, I, here let me look at it. Yeah, when it was sixteen ten. And it was 16-10 with Arizona having the ball yeah, like, uh, with very little time late in the third quarter. Even even a field goal there, they go up by nine? Like you're feeling really bad about any Washington position, even a teaser down to one. So they have some things to figure out, and obviously they have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, so far, the enemy experiment is not great. No, and I thought the uh, in particular where it's shown as a bad – game call was you recover a fumble <clears throat> you have the ball in the arizona 22 you've taken arizona's best shot because score a touchdown what are we doing you dinked around you barely took any time off the clock and you kicked a field goal like you left arizona in that game you gave them the ball back with with two minutes to go uh and uh you know the the opportunity to come down and score a touchdown and beat you uh and uh they fumbled, they, you know, they, they uh, turned it over on down, so it doesn't matter. But still, uh, nothing impressive about Washington in this contest, not even the defense who forced a couple turnovers. So bad, uh, bad, bad win for the, com- the commies. Now, this closes the book on the early games, Andy. And uh, between that and Thursday Night Football, unders at this point in the week were 8-1. Eight one. Eight and one. <laughs> I don't I bet, I bet one total, and it was Ooh. that one. It was the one. <laughs> that was the one. I looked out a little on that. Yeah. That was another one too. And there were not the commensurate yardage to really take that over, but they were efficient. The teams were efficient when they when they did move the ball when they were in the red zone. So yeah. Good job, Andy. Uh, on to the late games. What do we lead with? Yeah. Uh, the late games leaves with your uh, your pack your Packers. Go pack go. Um, love love looked good, especially with uh, okay. you missing your wide receiver one. He still looked good. He had like three deep balls he needed to figure out. It's like the Josh Allen thing, and I'm not comparing him to Josh Allen, but it's like oh. You had a guy open deep, and you can't make that throw. Like you're never going to make it in this league. We've we've learned that people can fix that. Obviously, him being the the poster boy for that. But man, he had a couple guys that beat the pants off of some some Bears corners, some Bears defensive backs, and he missed a couple guys. Even the throw to the tight end late, where he just like fell down. That Musk that was more on Musgrave too. Musgrave just down. decided to look like an idiot there. But yeah, and, and that's the thing too that. He didn't get all the help in the world from his receiving core. Yeah, it looked good. If Aaron whoa, Jones whoa, whoa, whoa. is injured, his that's... his like his best his best EPA play play was the Aaron Jones 
uh, catch and scramble. Like he got help after the yak in from his receiver. Oh, well, Aaron, that's what I'm saying. Aaron Jones was great. He oh. was the he was the best player on that team, and that's a huge loss if that hamstring is going to hamper him because AJ Dillon doesn't have that juice. He ran like 13 times yeah. for 20 yards or something. It was, and I know some of those runs were just killing the clock at the end, and they were just hey, run it off guard so we can take 40 seconds. But he was a big minus. Really, Aaron Jones needs to be healthy for this team to continue to play well against better teams than the Bears. That said, love showed me enough to, you know, keep keep me positive about this team and this team's chances to win the NFC North. Uh, okay. The Bears' play calling was garbage. Yep. You, uh, you, hey, we got the first pick. Oh my God, we traded back and got DJ Moore. You know, what we should do throw to him twice. Fuck sakes, we we're gonna end up in the same damn position, like. Uh, oh no, we don't know if Fields is our guy anymore, and we have a top five pick again. Like the, they they looked pretty rough at times. On didn't you tweet out? Uh, didn't you tweet out the picture of Ryan Poles? Oh, the, the, <laughs> look, well, the, I put look, it in the Discord. Oh, in the Discord. Yeah, right. Ryan when they showed Ryan Poles on looking the, uh, at the iPad, he's like he's watching Caleb and Clint Williams clips. No, I, I tweeted funny. out a picture of the the analytics cylinder. They didn't use that. <laughs> yeah, where was the analytics cylinder today? Um. No, I thought uh, I thought the Bears looked pretty bad. The Bears looked like a four-win team. That said, I don't know that they should be outside of a field goal against Tampa, but we will get to that when we get to that. Um, yeah, you not not utilizing DJ Moore. I guess I get it if Jair Alexander is on the field, but uh, I didn't love Plan B, C, or D for them. Scheme, um, you have to find a way to scheme it to get to your guy. Like, yeah. that's where I wonder if Getsy isn't it. Do you watch much Vegas Denver? A little bit. Um, that was rough. At times, it, it looked like we had some, you know, some juice from Russ, but oh, just sorry. doesn't have the. I, I wrote that today in the newsletter too. I'm like, man, he just might not have the weapons because mm -hmm. without Judy, that's a huge minus. And then they actually, it's. I mean, the, the tight ends kind of split up there. I think if I, I'd have to look at snaps, uh, maybe I don't have a good grasp on that because we don't even have a full game of you know, this year, but they lost a tight end to injury. Judy was missing. Obviously, Tim Patrick's gone. It might just be like, even if we fix Russ, we don't have enough weapons around him. It's to, a bad offense. Yeah. That was a, it was a bad offense. Defense played good enough, but it was a, another ugly game. Um, I got a, uh, I meant to mention it, but the, there was aggressive betting to the under in Green Bay, Chicago that flew over. I think some of that was late turnovers. Because uh, that was on pace to go under for a while. Uh, there the was first aggressive. half it was like seven to six. You know? There was a, there was aggressive betting to the under here and in favor of the Raiders. This closed Denver minus three. Um, that was a two way market though. There was some pretty sharp action that I saw come in and take some. Um, when it got to three flat, uh, took some Denver back out to three and a half. So that was that was a little there was a little push pull there, but most of the people we talked to were on the Raiders and they got a. A hard fought win. Um, I don't know that I take away anything about the Raiders defense being good as much as I worry that the Denver offense might be bad, 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 irrespective of Russ, just as you said. Um, and the Raiders offense is, I guess, giving them a little credit for succeeding against a very talented defense. Uh, tough to draw I, I, any I, conclusions I about them. It's hard. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy was very efficient. Put himself in Herb's way already, though. Yeah, I, I worry that he's not going to make the season, but just standard Jimmy. Like, hey, he's efficient, and he won a close game. Uh, Jacobs was okay. I was going to say Jacoby Myers was their leading target getter, and now he's concussed. As I mean, of the concussions over the weekend, that was one of the 
the worser ones, I think there's a decent chance he missed time. You still have Adams and ooh, name another wide receiver there. I can name a tight end, Hooper. Uh, what about the the uh, the white guy, the little scrambly white guy? What's his scrambly name? white guy. DeAndre, DeAndre Carter is he's not a scrambly white guy. I was gonna say Hunter Renfro. Okay, I don't think he had a target. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he was on the team. I'm not was sure he? he was did he dress? I'm not even dressed? sure. I didn't watch a lot of that game. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I didn't watch any of it either. Yeah, Myers. Yeah, if if Myers is out, that does hurt because they don't have the best depth there. Yeah, fair enough. And also, for whatever reason, Myers and uh, Jimmy G had some chemistry. Yeah, it was it was working, and now yeah. he's concussed. So, yeah. Okay. Don't have don't have a lot of takeaways on that. One. Um. Let's move down to a game that uh, I think is worth spending a little bit of time on. Miami Dolphins uh, win 36-34 against the Chargers. Now, I was pro-Dolphins at three. I didn't bet it because I was like, this game's giving me all kinds of weird vibes. And then you were like, I like Dolphins. Okay, fine. Let's go Dolphins. Uh, they It was a sweaty side. There was lots of moments of the game. I thought we weren't going to get there. The, the Dolphins defense yeah, like gave, the Dolphins defense gave me Harper for the like two and a half hours, um, but every time they were down, uh, Tua found a way to answer. Um, Tua was also at the you know at the at the positive behest of really 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 good scheming. Mike McDaniel versus um, Brandon Staley was the matchup that mattered the most in this game. I thought it was going to be Fangio Kellen Moore. It was not. <laughs> Kellen Moore had fine scheme and answers for I thought for what Fangio was doing. Um, but the uh, the McDaniel v um, Staley was felt like a mismatch. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, didn't mention Lafleur when I talked about that game, but Lafleur and McDaniel probably made some decent strides for Coach of the Year as well. And it's going to be strictly based on oh my god, look at these offenses they're able you know Lafleur's is different they hey we're doing it with someone that's not rogers that's magic but if no, this I, offense if this no. offense continues to make Tua look like and Tua did not get sacked that's the biggest positive i think you take away from any anything crazy. here especially with the guys they line up across from him on a you know a tough front for the chargers uh front seven there but if we continue we don't have to have 450 yard games but if it just he's efficient the depth of target is, you know, continuing to be deep to put up these big numbers. Hill does what he does. You still have, I mean, you still have Waddle and uh, Braxton Berrios chipped in. River Craft, like there was a bunch mm -hmm. of uh, Mostert looked pretty good for the most part when they needed him. Wasn't a big stat sheet guy, but when they needed him down in the in the red zone, he looked good. Like, if the offense looks good, like Mike McDaniel is your, you know, one of your coach of the year candidates for sure. Yeah. Chargers uh, won the turnover battle 2-0. Chargers won time of possession 33-27, to Andy. <clears throat> How the hell they lose this game? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, Herbert, I thought, looked fine. I didn't see anything in his kind of play that suggested red flags. Uh, well, it's still just like, and I, I mentioned this day, somebody else mentioned this, like it's just a, a lack of deep balls and he's got a fucking howitzer and some of that is scheme and some of that is his reluctance but i still you have three good receivers go deep baby 
Um, Terry Kill should be your favorite for offensive player of the year this minute. Yeah. Uh, although I think with the um, with the injury potential of Tua any minute, and with the uh, fact that some games are going to be Waddle games and some games are going to be Hill games, I don't think I can play Hill in good conscience at current prices for OPOI, even though I agree he should be the favorite. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't like it as a short number. That's a that's definitely a preseason kind of play. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, the uh, next this game on the 20. list was Philly, New England. <clears throat> This one's really tough to parse too. Philly was pretty aggressively bet against in this game. This was a game that I thought the hot side was New England. Um, closed minus three and a half, minus one hundred five for Philly. Um, total was bet down from forty six to forty four. This one crept over the closing total. This actually, this oh, this is one of the handful of total middles, I guess. Um, Patriots spotted Philly a 16-point lead on a really bad interception that was Mac Jones's fault, uh, on a really bad fumble that was Zeke Elliott's fault. Um, and then they buckled down and played really good defense, and I thought I finally started attacking the part of the field where Philadelphia is the weakest, uh, and the Patriots came back to make it a game and threatened to cover. Um, the, the, the personal kind of roller coaster of watching them convert this the um two-point conversion to make it a three-point game only then to have it come off the off with a holding penalty yeah um that was miserable i had a I lot missed on, that play. i had a lot I, of I, I, I flipped the challenge i flipped the channel and saw them trying the two-point conversion from like the 10 or whatever i'm like oh no oh like this is this is rough so yeah i feel like new england was the right side I, in fact new england was the right side their defense played amazing if the offense hadn't given them those two turnovers and put them in such a negative game state immediately i really think we would have been looking at a completely different outcome although i wonder how that offense plays when they're not in that game state because they did seem to kind of flip a switch once the the lead was a little bit bigger yeah they're they bad turnovers like if they take care of the ball their defense is going to keep them in games this is a really good defense i was really impressed with them and i don't want to downgrade philly's offense no i think no, they no, ran no, no. they ran into uh much much is being made about philly's offense not looking good this Insane. is one of the toughest defenses they'll play all year. They're about to go play an absolute get right. It's a short week, but you want to play get right. Um, and especially if Hertz handles the blitz all right next week against Minnesota this Thursday, they're going to go scorched earth on that defense because that's what's available is, hey, here's a bunch of blitzes. I have A.J. Brown. I have Devonta Smith. And I have them one-on-one -on, -one on the outside against below average cornerbacks and if if the safety help goes one way i'm going the other way and it's a touchdown as long as the blitz doesn't get home nobody blitzed more than minnesota last week and honestly the nobody the tampa tampa blitzed a shitload too that was the the two highest blitz rates of the whole week both over 40 percent if they try that with philly good bleeping luck because leaving yeah. leaving your corners on an island is going to be kind of a disaster for uh Minnesota against a lot yep. better offense. 
I will. I could. I could not agree with you more on all of these concepts. And I will say that uh, Philly has a very soft schedule of defenses with the uh, you know in between now and their bye week, with the two exceptions. They got at the Jets on uh on, in week six, and they got versus the Cowboys in week nine. Um, I think now if you're trying to buy low on any Philadelphia kind of naysaying, now is the time. They're going to light up the scoreboard of these, you know, a bunch of weeks coming up here. Um, they get to, and Andy, uh, you know who's Philly next two opponents are Minnesota and Tampa. So good luck. Did you say that? I know you said Minnesota, but I, I, I didn't realize it was Tampa. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 So good luck with that. Uh, oh, and by the way, you get to play Tampa with some extra, uh, extra rest. So cool. Um, no other thoughts other than I'm sad that the Patriots didn't cover. That really, really was uh, that the end of game state too, where New England could have won, would have been wild. Uh, that would have really flipped after that uh, start because two teams, really two teams started their games like that against uh, NFC East opponents, and one of them bootstrapped up, got their ass back in gear, made it a game, and almost won it at the end. The other one lost by forty points. <laughs> Um, there's two right. ways, yeah. There's two ways to let's, go. Uh, let's relive my least favorite game of the week one slate, which was the LA Rams proving that, uh, oh, they are just fine, uh, especially on offense. Uh, no Cooper Cup, no problem. Puka Nakua, I think I said his name right. Um, your, did your rookie receiving leader did, in every category? He did a phenomenal job, Cooper Cup impression in that game. Yeah. Like, really, really tough, hard fought routes. Crisp routes, tough catches, uh, everything about uh, his performance was solid. Tutu Atwell uh, was was fine. I thought there were some moments in the early the first half where he was, you know, didn't look sharp, but um, but he made the play of the game, which was breaking it open on third and eight. Um, and Andy, the two things that I should have recognized more clearly. Well, there's three, but let's go with the actual matchup parts of this game. You worry about Geno Smith if he's facing interior pressure. They had they did not fortify their interior offensive line, and they went up against Aaron Donald. That mattered in this That's game. Good. When Geno Smith is under pressure up the middle, he does what he did yesterday, and he throws deep balls that are uncatchable down the sidelines. Okay. He did not have a single target in this game over the middle of the field longer than 10 yards. I mean, I suppose it's possible that because I haven't looked at the all 22 and I don't think I will watch it because I don't want to watch another second of this game. Um, I suppose that uh, um, Raheem Morris put Shane Waldron in a box and just had that part of the field really well defended. And that's why they didn't attack there. But it was weird, weird, weird that they were not even trying to take advantage of a weak off linebackers or weak safeties which I would have guessed would have been the bread and butter of the Seattle offense in the blind. Um, the that that kind of missing that part of the handicap was was not good. The other part of the handicap I missed was if you can't get pressure on Matt Stafford and you give him time, it kind of doesn't matter who he's throwing to; he's going to be efficient. And the third and eight that I remember so vividly at the start of the second half, they're like a little not quite at midfield yet. Seattle defends it. They get the ball back. They could go score and make it a two-score game and potentially put it away. Instead, Stafford has an eternity in the pocket and throws an absolute beautiful dime 
downfield to Tutu Atwell, who had come open. Now, that to me was the other failing of Seattle in terms of their roster vision, where they did not address the pass rush in the offseason to the degree that you can get anyone to beat those guys in the pass rush. No one in third and eight could find a way to get pressure on Stafford. You're going to give him all the time in the world. Uh, and so the fact that you couldn't really create pressure against what I think is a pretty weak offensive line, the fact that you couldn't uh, defend the interior of the offensive line, granted against the Hall of Famer, uh, or have a plan B for if there was interior pressure, all of those were, I thought, pretty sincere failings of the uh, of the Seahawks. And for those reasons, I think you have to almost certainly look at this result as meaningful and downgrade them substantially. Yeah, downgrade to Seattle, especially situationally. The one team... The one bad team in the league that has the couple spots where, oh, we uh, we match up actually kind of poorly in a couple spots. But kudos, kudos to L.A. for being able to take advantage of that. Uh, obviously, going into a much tougher matchup this upcoming weekend against what we just said might be the best team in the league. I'm going to be teasing uh, San Francisco until it's up till nine, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it's... It's more of a mandate on Seattle and kind of the shortcomings that they didn't address this offseason because it's not like it has to specifically be that build of a team to beat them. Just good teams are going to be able to beat you now with because you don't have a pass rush and you have a, a young secondary who has some injuries still at this point. Yeah. So it's and and you know, we've talked about this a couple times in the offseason with the the rise of really good interior pressure players. Again, like not yeah. fixing some of those things is going to be a big problem. They did have some injuries, both tackles uh, and Lockett. They are already dealing with the injury of Adams. They had uh, Witherspoon held out. So some injuries and kind of a bad roster build might hold yeah. Gino. And, and I think that it's stupid. The narrative is just going to be like, Gino's not good anymore. And I think it's it's not going to be the case. I think it's going to be that like this defense is built weird. And it's not stopping people, and they're going to struggle. I mean, even Garrett, they, they lined Garrett up inside. Like, hey, guess what? Yeah. Interior pressure is in vogue. You're an interior linebacker for for four or five snaps now. That was terrifying watching him come up the fucking A-gap. Like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, what, what was the, the one clip where he, he – uh, oh, that was the Aaron Donald clip. Oh, was, oh God, That, that was yeah. the Gino God. But, yeah. like, Miles Garrett, uh, the, there's going to be more and more of this interior pressure. If you don't fix – what you have wrong in the inside, you're you're in trouble. So yeah, and good job to you know you lost Cooper Cup, you filled in nicely. Yeah, that's I guess that's what you have when you have a good coach and a good offensive game plan. Yeah, really, really not, not sustainable yeah. against good defenses, but uh, it was a nice. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think the Rams might be a top half offense, especially if they're going to pass pro that well. Cam we'll Akers is week. still a we'll, gigantic minus. We'll, we'll find out a lot <laughs> yeah. this weekend when they go yeah. up against a much better pass rush. I, I also still I really do not know what I'm – I don't know what I'm looking at with that Rams defense. I don't know what it is. I can't identify it. <laughs> it's a very, very hard read. Um, but uh, credit to Reem Morris. He's, he schemed his ass off um, with uh, you know a bunch of players who everybody else passed on in terms of talent. So maybe – they were wrong and he was right or he is getting the most out of them either way really well done by the rams uh really impressive win and uh put pete carroll on blast too 
Like you couldn't get your guys motivated for that off your your opening home game better than that. Like Seattle just felt like lifeless. Like there was no uh, no fire really at all. Uh, we haven't mentioned some of the injuries they sustained to the offensive line, which potentially makes the Geno Smith problem worse. Um, yeah, we just said the interior offensive line is soft. They, they had both tackles hurt, so yeah, yeah, not good. Seattle Seattle might end up being one of the bigger disappointments this year in terms of win loss if. They don't get some things fixed real quick. Yeah, both those uh, tackle injuries setting to monitor for this week. Uh, does that lead us into Sunday night? Yeah, Sunday night. Uh, I mean, it, it's the same thing as what we said in Philly. Like, it, it was rough. That's not how you ever want to start a game. Uh, a couple of the bounce, I mean, especially on the interception, that was just a bad bounce, bad luck. The block kick, I mean, that was just a really good play on the special teams. And then again, it just bounced in such a way that a guy was able to scoop it up. That guy happened to be a fast enough player. And you got put in a really bad game state. And there's two or three teams that you really don't want to be in that game state against right off the bat. And a team with Micah Parsons on the field is one of those teams. They were just, I mean, at, at that point, the game was really over. The bad weather combined with we're going to be in such a, you know, such a game state that we're going to have to pass so many times now against a pass rush. That's very much getting home. He was sacked seven times. Really the, the only, the only tough part of that whole game was watching poor Daniel Jones out there in the fourth Go back quarter. out there, get back out there. Get Not back only out that, there. Like, hey, here's a designed run, which means like 50, 50, you're getting hit. Why, why are you doing that? You just signed him. I bless him. And I don't even like Saquon, but God bless us. God bless the team for taking him out. That poor guy's only on a one-year contract. Like he, <laughs> he gets hurt in the fourth quarter, but 34, nothing game or something like, Oh my God, what, what are we doing with this team? So uh, yeah, it was just such a, I, I don't think the giants are that bad. The. Yeah. What happened Cowboys, to coach of the year? Brian Dable. The Cowboys probably were the right side. That number probably should have been a little bigger, but I don't think they're all horrible like we showed. They just got put in such a bad spot off a couple of bad bounces right off, the, right off the bat that they just had no shot. <laughs> um, they had some, they had some decent juice there on offense. It just never got home again, and they were in such a bad spot from a uh, just constant pressure, constant pressure up the middle, constant pressure from you know guys that got home, like it said, seven sacks. So tough to really judge either team off that, although I will say Dallas is what I expected. They uh, they were able to get the ball to CD in space. But, again, in the second half, you didn't really get to see the, you know, the full complement of what, we, what we're going to get for offense. They're playing with a, a five-score lead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh... Did CD make his receptions prop? He only caught four for 77, even though he had a 49er. I guess he did, probably didn't make his yardage prop, huh? That's yeah. weird. Uh, you know what did hit, Andy? Second half under. Uh, we are two and oh in uh, primetime uh, halftimers. So good job by you. Um, thoughts on the openers? You kind of already spilled the bag. I think on the halftime show, you played some Colts, which I agree I would expect goes to a. Do you want to go down the whole list or do you just want to? Do you want to comment on what you think is going to happen with a couple couple key markets? Uh, you know what I should say? 
I should say that more memories are made for you when you're there for live NFL action. Oh, I almost I like forget that. about our good friends at Ticketmaster. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. I must have this memorized. The interactive seat map gives you 360-degree views, previews of your section to make sure you have the best view for all those pivotal plays in the rain last night. Hmm. And if your plans change because it rained, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell transfer your tickets plus mobile tickets. Make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. I don't have takes on all the games. I don't know if you want to go through any of them. I will say, like I said, I upgraded the... Indianapolis offense a titch and I bet them at a plus number on the money line because I'm I'm not upgrading Houston's offense at all. They have a lot of questions to answer. I like that spot. Um and then I did downgrade Miami a little on defense because I I get it was Herbert and what they were doing was a little nip and tuck at times but they looked pretty bad at certain points and I, I took uh, New England straight up. They were, you know, like they were walking through that one. They were, you know, like we said, Not they that were I disagree. The, I just want to know what your what your thought process is on getting that early. You don't think people are just going to. Yeah, I wonder how good. I wonder if I made a mistake by jumping on it so early and I didn't really need to because Miami's going to get talked up all week. <clears throat> but I just looked I looked at my numbers. I did some quick upgrades and I said. I'm really, really thinking that this is a very good defense. I think we thought that in the preseason. I think we thought that last year. And it's going to be a much, much harder task to go deep against the secondary. Absolutely true. And it's on the road. It's divisional. And I, I don't think I don't think New England's a bad team. They really probably should have won that game against one of the best teams in the NFC. If they don't spot them a 16 nothing lead, that defense keeps them in there. So, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm I'm in on uh, New England. Both of them just just number plays for now. It's just uh, I'm I'm off numbers on on these, and then okay. I did play the over. I gotta check my bookmaker account here. What price we have here? Oh, of course, it's Chris logs you out a lot now. Yes, and you have to double click the login to get in. Double they have click some, every single time. I don't understand. Like, baby, like take a couple days off in the middle of a week, maybe like a Thursday Friday. And just do do the maintenance you need to do to get this figured out, but it sucks. So, um, Chargers Titans, I did take that over forty five. That's been steamed up a little from now. Chargers, That's another Titans. one. That's another one okay. where a couple people made that point. I had looked at totals kind of a, from a cursory glance, but when people mentioned it, I dug in, and yeah, that's probably should be a forty seven. So I bet okay. that I think that's steamed up. And then the other one I've bet so far this morning which was fortuitous timing. Somebody shared the Clev TA tweet, which I hadn't seen, but uh, made me feel even better about getting a 41 was the Cleveland under the Conklin thing. That offense is going to be really predicated on the run. It's going to be slow grinded out. I don't know what they're able to get done against a a better defense this week. So I played that under. Mm. Yeah. Um, You know, it's a, What's a what? What were they thinking? Uh, putting New Orleans, Carolina as the other Monday Night Football game? Was there a reason for that? 
I don't know if the reason is for double Monday nights. I don't either. And I definitely don't want that standalone game. Sorry. Um, no. The uh, macro thoughts on uh, why home teams were so uh, weak week one. Macro thoughts on the totals continuing to hit to the under. Because so we'll just for context, the opening totals were closer to 46. They across the board got that down into the 44 range. Um, and they've opened week two in the 44 range. My average total for an NFL game is still 43 as currently rostered all these teams. And actually, it probably is going to go down a little bit after what, you know, once we kind of digest what we saw uh, with some of these offenses getting downgraded. What do you think? I think we're at a spot where it's not even just like, oh, this, oh, this too high shell figured out some of these quarterbacks. Teams are rostering their defenses in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's more effective at slowing down some of these uh, explosive offenses. It's more effective on keeping teams from extending drives. It's it's hard to put a. I'd like somebody smarter with me with a data science background to do some some research on this in general. But it just feels like there's better defenses, even without star players, because they've rostered them properly and built them properly. And there's some really shitty offenses out there right now. We've had a lot of wide receiver injuries across the, the board. And I mean, some of the overs, like I said, we didn't even get the, the yardage we really needed for the Jacksonville over the green Bay over felt a little fluky. Yeah. There was even, a bunch of defensive touchdowns that game stayed under. The, a couple the, and that's the thing too, that how many, there were seven or eight defensive touchdowns this week. Like there was a lot of defensive scoring as well. And games still were staying under. So I think, yes, yeah, scoring will be scoring will stay down. Um, and I think lower scoring games help help road teams in general. It's weird. It was a weird week for sure. Uh, thoughts? Do you have any thoughts on tonight's game? I uh, played the under already. Um, that's down to forty four. Keeps. keeps. I, I think forty four is key enough. That's 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 where that's the that's the inflection half, point. Yeah. We're we're gonna see some resistance. If you see a forty three and a half, it's it's gone in a second kind of thing. But that is. In June, that opened at 47. Mm-hmm. Most of what I'm watching and most of the injury stuff I need to kind of dig in before I get involved with week two. But uh, at kind of first glance, I like your reads. Um, the... I feel horrible about betting on the Patriots against Miami, but I had to do it. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what happens with that market if Patriots are because, uh, you know, you know how this goes when there's a hot side and it should win and it doesn't come in like it gets bet again. That's that's fair. That's a that's a point in my favor. So it's probably going to get bet. I just don't know if uh, I don't know if you're going to get if you're if you are patient, maybe you get a two. And, did you get two and a half or two? I just straight up it's my, my line. OK, I don't okay. I don't know that it gets to three. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'll just take the like plus one or whatever. I'm curious to see if the people who bet against Denver go against them again now with Washington instead of Las Vegas. I mean, that's like an equally stinky road dog to try to uh, try to get involved with against Denver. But uh, I know some of the people who are cold Denver are were also hot Washington. So I could see that going down to three. Um, interested to see if Dallas comes off a of three once that gets, you know, more, you know, more. uh, uh widely available i guess it's at circuit three and a half so maybe it is bettable everywhere um yeah niners one-way action makes sense to me um chargers did you feel to you like there was chargers two-way today did somebody come back on tennessee and pull that in a little bit 
Mm, I have I would, to look. I just thought. Kind of assumed that was going to be. I haven't followed that market. I kind of assumed that was going to be three and a half. I guess uh, it got to three minus one twenty-five before there was some Tennessee buyback. Yeah. So they 40, found some Tennessee resistance. Was a, uh, there was a uh, a release from a a group that you can spell with the words in release, I believe, on the <laughs> 49ers. So that's I mean that's where you move up, especially early in the week when there's some some syndicate moves or whatever you want to call it like that. Um, I use them in a teaser. Yeah. Uh, with tonight's game, I took Jets plus eight, Niners yeah. minus two. What do you think about the Gigantes? <sighs> if there ever was a bounce back spot, Drew, and I really think they have some nice weapons on offense. Man, four and a half on the road. 39 and a half for a total laying laying over a field goal on the road with a total under 40. I'd like to see how that turns out in general. I'm yeah, but go. like the they kind of the the key reasons not to lay the points with the Giants don't really apply to this in this handicap. Maybe we'll just save this for Wednesday. This is this is a good one to discuss we'll on Wednesday because there's I bet if I look at my power numbers it's going to say I should probably take some giants in that spot because I didn't I didn't move the the Arizona number a bit. No, and honestly, when if you if you get your guys raw right up and you have a chance to beat Washington, and then that's how the game unfolds. I, I'm not sure how you get them up week two, and being on the road I, it doesn't really spook me this early in the season for the Giants. Um, I think the Giants probably handle business pretty comfortably there. Road field advantage, man. Road yeah. field advantage. Let's see if I Giants number is mm, probably like a minus one, one and a half. We'll see what I we'll see what I do with them. Road, a, road, yeah. road against a pretty bad team. I you know obviously the the Cowboys influences this, but uh, road field yeah. advantage. Uh, I'll make it like five. Uh, Five, minus, five and a half. It was minus three this this week one so far. <laughs> yeah, I think the Giants. This is a good uh, opportunity for the Giants' offense to get sorted out. They have pieces. Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. It was just a very, very bad showing. Yep. 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 So, yep. Drew likes the under tonight. I tease the Jets. I'm just excited, and many people have talked about this kind of closing thought. So many fun what ifs because we had the Diggs drama with Allen. We have a fun stud tight end coming in everyone's excited about and Kincaid they're going to probably instead of instead of trying to find this wide receiver too they've been searching for they're just going to run 12 personnel more and they're going to use big guys against stack boxes and they have two receiving tight ends that could be fun who the fuck knows what's going to happen with the Jets they have the players their defense could be legitimate top you know top one if uh, if they reach their ceiling, it's definitely uh you know in the conversation for a top five defense. And Rogers looks engaged, and it's stupid that we have to use that as part of the handicap on how a quarterback will play. But when he's happy and he's fully focused on playing football, he probably can still be very good. They have a lot of good receivers. They have a couple of good running backs. It's it's an offensive line that might start to give him some trouble. So interesting to see that uh, the Bills pass rush versus uh, Aaron Rodgers tonight. Yeah, good shit, man. All right, talk to you at uh, halftime. Yeah, it is Monday. We'll see you guys. Hit the thumbs up. Buy your tickets. At t- it's a Ticketmaster. Is that what you were saying? I said buy your tickets at Ticketmaster. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure I got clarity there.
I'm excited for tonight. It'll be a good game. Especially after Jesus Christ, what a bad game.